You know, as much as I really liked my sermon last week, <laughs> I think that I'm not going to preach on that passage again. So I'd like to take a look real fast at another really good gospel lesson that you might find in your bulletin. Michael, he just loves those healing stories. Take a look at the Gospel of Mark, this story on the last Sunday of Epiphany, where Jesus took with him James, Peter, and John, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and there Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them, and there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This story from the Gospel of Mark is what we call the transfiguration, where Jesus is taken up and transfigured, transformed, changed in front of the eyes of these three disciples. Now, Jesus chose to take up the mountain, Peter, James, and John, so not everybody, right? At this point in the story, he's gathered quite a crowd around him, including more pivotal disciples, but he only takes these three. And when he goes up to the mountain, we often focus on the experience of Peter, James, and John, what they would have felt in that moment, being, as Scripture says, terrified because of what they were seeing. But today, I think I want to change it. And I want to focus on who they see. Because yes, they see Jesus. But who is Jesus with? Moses and Elijah. And why them? I think it's important for us to ask this question because it's not just Jesus that has changed. But these three disciples see these three great prophets of Israel. And so it's important for us to know something about Moses and Elijah. So Moses, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we've all heard of him. Moses is this great prophet who really called the Israelite people to become the Jewish people. In the great story of Judaism, it's Moses that takes these chosen people of God, the Israelites, and actually creates in them a religious group, the Jews. And Moses does so by being called by God to go to Egypt and bring the Israelites out of captivity. And Moses didn't want to do it, but God compelled him to do so anyway. And then Moses brings the people across the Red Sea on dry ground to Sinai where he receives the law and creates this incredible tradition. And then we flip to Elijah. And we just heard one of the best stories of Elijah. Elijah is part of that really excellent pantheon of prophets in the Jewish tradition. Elijah was a powerful prophet and could bring fire from heaven. He could raise the dead. And today we see that just like Moses, he parts water so that they can walk across on dry ground. And then he is assumed into heaven 
in a chariot of fire. That's some good drama. (laughs) Moses and Elijah, these incredible prophets, both have something in common with the prophet Jesus. And that is, they need people to complete their work. They need someone else to actually finish the work that they began. If we remember the story of Moses, Moses does all of this great stuff and yet he can't go into the promised land. And so he entrusts this great work to Joshua who had followed him for so many years. And then Elijah, in the story we heard today, his work is not complete, and yet he trusts his disciple, Elisha, to continue that work, in fact, getting a double portion of his power. And so if we take those two stories, Moses and Elijah with their disciples, we can better understand what is perhaps happening on the top of this mountain with Jesus and his. Jesus takes up these three disciples in order to see that what he is doing is a continuation, even a fulfillment of what these great prophets of old began. And yet, even Jesus needs them to continue this work. Jesus even needs us to continue this work. Now, carrying on work is a privilege, right? We have all been at some point students of good teachers. Perhaps we do in our professional life something that a great teacher or mentor raised us up to do. So we understand what it's like to really be a student and then become a teacher. But I think we also understand what happens right after this transfiguration moment. Peter, perhaps speaking for all three, wants to stay on the mountain. This is a critical, important note because we also understand that. We understand what it's like to have an incredible experience, to perhaps feel like, how could it get better than this? And not want to change. And Jesus, God's voice, says to them, you got to listen because I'm calling you from where you are into something new. I'm calling you to change where you are, no matter how good it is, into something I promise you is even better. Today, we as a parish will actually wrestle with that same idea. Following this service, we'll have our parish meeting where we'll look at what we have done all the good things that we have done, and yet ask the question, what is God calling us to become? Now, how many of us yearn to change something about our lives? Perhaps it was good at one point, but now we want to make a change. And how do most of us start to make a change? Maybe we make pro-con lists. Maybe we find a coach. Maybe we take a class or a seminar, and how many of us have done something like that only to find a year from now we are in the exact same place? Change is hard, but I think that we are courageous enough 
I think that we have enough vision, and I think together we can actually say that wherever we are or where we have been, as great as that is, God is still calling out to us that we can be something better. We may not even know what that better is. We may, like the disciples, think, how could it get better? And yet God says, better than you can ever hope or imagine. God presents us as individuals, but also as members of this church with opportunities to grow and expand and change. In conversations with some new members who have joined St. Michael in the last few months, one of the things that is a recurring theme is that they are looking for a different way to be church. That whatever it is that they had experienced in the past, wherever it was that they are coming from, there is something stayed, something that is rooted and unmovable about those experiences, and they just think there's something more. And they seem to catch a little of what that could be here at St. Michael. I think people broadly are looking for a new way, a new future of what church can be. And what they've found here at St. Michael is something that gives them a glimpse of that future. Today, what we are going to be looking at is what we emphasize most here. And the three big areas that we're going to be emphasizing will be rooting ourselves in Scripture, understanding our story in order to better know how God is calling us to live. Worship is another big step in how we are formed to be the church of the future. When we come and sit here and worship, it shouldn't just be going through the motions, but an expression of what we have learned from our sacred scripture story in order to leave those doors and live differently, live more faithfully, live more lovingly. And we do so on the Sunday before we start the season of Lent which is not an accident. Lent is an opportunity for us to really sit in a moment, to sit with God and to listen. If left to our own devices, we would be like the disciples on top of that mountain, wanting to just talk and build and do. And what does God say to Peter? God doesn't say, do this or do that or whatever. Listen to Jesus. How often do we just listen? Lent is an opportunity for us to pause and to stop. It's an opportunity for us to listen and to wonder how we can change. God is calling us constantly, speaking to us in ways that we cannot hear if the noise of our busy lives is too loud. And so this Lent as we begin on Wednesday, is an opportunity for us all together to imagine how we will change, where we will go, what we will become together. The world needs for a church like St. Michael to imagine the future of Christianity now. And together, with courage and conviction rooted in our past, worshiping our present, 
and imagining our future, we can become that church. As we begin this Lenten journey, I invite you to listen to the way God calls you as an individual and the way God is calling us into something new so that we can continue in new ways to inspire those around us. Amen.